Welcome to Socialist Revolution Podcast, a podcast for communists. Today, we are borrowing from the International Marxist Radio Podcast for a special episode to cut across the hypocrisy of the imperialist ruling class and provide the communist perspective on the dramatic developments in Israel-Palestine. Just what is communism? You communists. Communists? A specter is haunting Europe. The specter of communism. The presence within America of communist propaganda dedicated to the establishment of a new order. Communism, stronger, more determined than ever. Are there communists in this organization? Thousands of Americans actually aiding the communists. The children of present-day America will live in a communist society. We're here with a special episode to discuss the dramatic events unfolding in Israel-Palestine over the last few days, starting with Hamas' surprise attack from Gaza on Saturday. To help us make sense of the situation and to explain the communist position on Israel-Palestine, we have with us Fred Weston, who's a leading member of the international Marxist tendency, and he's a member of the editorial board as well for Marxist.com. So, Fred, um, what's going on and what's the perspective of the communists? Well, what's going on is uh, before the eyes of the world, um, a surprise attack, obviously a well-coordinated and a long-prepared uh, attack um, on the part of several thousand Hamas uh, militants um, coming across the border and uh, taking the Israeli uh, military by surprise. In fact, uh, all the serious commentators are uh, asking the question, how could this have happened without the Israeli security services even realizing um, this was about to happen? But in a situation like this, for Marxists, uh, for communists, the first thing is that we need to understand uh, why this is happening and what is actually really happening. It's not a question, as you say, you know, neither laugh nor cry, but understand. Mm. Um, and what we have is a historical situation of a conflict uh, between two unequal forces. One is the powerful state of Israel, which I will in a moment list what it has done to the Palestinian people over the past 75 years. And on the other side, an oppressed people without a homeland, without rights, cannot be compared in any way to the powerful military machine that Israel has. And in a situation like this, where you have clearly an oppressed people, it is our duty to stand on the side of the oppressed. And that means we stand firmly on the side of the Palestinian people in their struggle for the right to a homeland. Now, it's not surprising to us that immediately after the attack, um, all the leaders of the West, Biden, uh, Sunak, and, and, and many others, have all come out with this idea of the right of Israel to defend itself. That, um, when you think about it, is an amazing statement because Israel clearly can defend itself. It has a very powerful military machine to defend itself with. And in the next few days, everybody is going to see the level of barbarism that the Israeli army is capable of. But we have Biden, 
He offered uh, support for Israel, saying that uh, all appropriate means of support were available and that the administration's support for Israel's security is rock-solid and unwavering. We should remember that, by the way, this includes the fact that the U.S. provides Israel with $3.6 billion of military aid every year. Um, Imagine if that money was spent on hospitals and schools and water uh, for the Palestinians. Would this not actually um, be a better way of spending that money? But that's not the priority of the capitalist class. Um, Biden has reiterated a, 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 quote, unwavering commitment to Israel's security. Rishi Sunak lines up saying we stand unequivocally with Israel, saying that um, the, the government, the Tory government of Britain has expressed their full solidarity to Netanyahu. Um, and Keir Starmer, uh, not wishing to be um, seen as in any way different from the uh, Tory government, has come out uh, stating the same words as Israel has a right to defend it herself, i.e. supporting um, the ruling class of Britain and not offering in any way um, uh, an alternative uh, to the workers of Britain on how we should approach this question. Uh, then there's the joint statement signed between uh, the governments of France, Germany, Italy, the United Kingdom and the United States, in which they say the same thing. They express steadfast and united support to the state of Israel um, and that they will support Israel in its efforts to defend itself. And just as a kind of sop, they say that they recognize the legitimate aspirations of the Palestinian people. The question can be asked is, how are these aspirations to be expressed if all these countries support this powerful military um, apparatus in Israel whose main um, uh, task is to make sure the Palestinians remain oppressed? Um, and then they, and they say they'll remain, remain united in this solidarity with uh, Israel. And, and then they say that then, uh, to, to ensure Israel is able to defend itself and to ultimately set the conditions for a peaceful and integrated Middle East region. The utter hypocrisy of those words. Israel, imagine Israel and the present Israeli government of Netanyahu, which includes extreme far-right fanatics, um, is going to be the source of a peaceful solution to the crisis of Israel, Makes you would make you laugh if it wasn't so tragic. Well, I think we should, in response to some of those disgusting comments from these Western politicians, reiterate some of the things that Netanyahu and his cabinet have said. Netanyahu has said that the retaliatory attacks on Gaza, which have already killed a huge number of people, as you'll explain later, are just getting started. He said the response will reverberate for generations, um, and he threatened to turn Gaza, I think the words he used uh, were in, a, a, into a deserted island. That's right. And the defence minister, Gallant, described the Palestinians, and I don't think that you can really say he was just talking about Hamas militants, I don't think he really sees the distinction, as animals, and that Israel was fighting animals. This is, frankly, genocidal language that presumably constitutes Israel's self-defense, that these Western politicians that 
Rishi Sunak, Keir Starmer, Joe Biden are all giving their unconditional support too. Yes, well, I'd like to actually quote the words of Israel's finance minister. Mm. Uh, He is a member of this government. He is a member of the Netanyahu government. He is a member of the government which Biden, Sunak, Starmer, Macron and all the others have expressed their solidarity to. Not so long ago, um, the finance minister, Smotrich, called for the entire Palestinian town of Huara, in his words, to be wiped out. Mm-hmm. This is a town of 5,000 people. And he added that the state of Israel should do it. Yes. Remember, this is a minister in this government. Worse than this, he has offered the Palestinians three options. Very nice of him. This is a really nice individual. These are his words. The Palestinians have one of three options. Only either to immigrate, i.e. get out, or accept a life of subjugation, i.e. the present scenario, or die. This is this present government. This is the minister in this government. I have another quote here from another minister from just today. This is a liquid politician. Uh, so the same party as Netanyahu, Tali Gottliff, who says, Jericho missile, Jericho missile, strategic alert before considering the, introdu- the introduction of forces, doomsday weapon, this is my opinion. Essentially calling for Gaza to be nuked. Yeah, uh, that is the kind of politicians you have uh, on the on This is the a right. sitting minister. Yeah. This is someone from Netanyahu's own party sitting in the Keznet. And Netanyahu himself has, has, has explained very clearly what he intends to do to Gaza. But I wanted to go back a little bit in time and put some historical context to the present scenario, mm. if I can. Yes, please. Um, you see, there's a lot of talk about terrorism, terrorism. And of course, there's lots of acts, acts of terrorism taking place. Um, but, but, let's remember just two events going right back to the creation of Israel. One was the bombing of the King David Hotel in Jerusalem in July 1946. 91 people were killed, 46 were injured. Two, the massacre in um, Deir Yassin in April 1948. 130 fighters of the Zionist paramilitary groups killed 107 Palestinians, including women and children. These were the methods upon which Israel was created. Armed uh, militias were used to terrorize uh, civilian Palestinians with the aim of Um, mass expulsion. The news of that massacre terrorized the Palestinian population who feared for their lives as the Jewish troops advanced. What was the result? 700,000 Palestinians were expelled by the Zionist militias. Just a quick reminder of the ethnic balance in um, historical Palestine um, prior to this event. In 1947, the Jews were 630,000. That was 32% of the population. The non-Jews, mostly Palestinians, were, 1 million, were more than 1,300,000. Therefore, 
the mass expulsion of Palestinians radically changed the balance and um, created the phenomenon which we are still living with, which was the uh, mass of refugees who are now living spread around in Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, within the West Bank and Gaza and other countries. Over one and a half million Palestinian refugees, and uh, this has been described as the um, the longest unresolved refugee problem in the world. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end with the events of 1947-48. In 1967, the West Bank and Gaza were occupied as a result of war. Then began a systematic uh, colonization of particularly the West Bank um, with uh, an inflow of uh, Jewish settlers to the point where now the combined number of settlers in the West Bank and Jerusalem stands at around 750,000 in, in at least 250 settlements which are actually regarded as illegal, even by international law. Right. But Biden, Sunak, Macron, none of the Western governments have ever lifted a finger to, to stop this illegal colonization of the land of the Palestinians. All the contrary, um, the US has blocked 53 UN resolutions condemning Israel, using its political clout to protect its ally in the Middle East. Of course, the U.S. complains when the Russians block resolutions, which the Americans don't like, but the Americans do exactly the same thing. But you see, the West Bank is not just uh, pinpointed with um, uh, Jewish settlements. It's now literally been broken up. Mm. There is no continuous single Palestinian territory on the West Bank. There are hundreds of checkpoints, and now they are stopping the even Palestinians from moving from one town to another. They cannot even move within what is um, their own um, country. Let's not forget the famous separation wall, 700 kilometers. Now, they did not build that wall along the, um, the, the Green Line, i.e. the 1967 border. 85% of that wall falls within the West Bank. They have literally annexed whole chunks of the West Bank. And Gaza now is being blockaded massively, but it's, it's been under an Israeli sea and air blockade since 2007. Now, some people say that this uh, latest bombing uh, raid in Israel, um, by Israel is the result of a provocation. A bombing raid that we should add has involved targeting telecommunication centres, civilian homes, critical infrastructure, all war crimes, the kinds of war crimes that the enlightened democratic West would almost certainly, well, absolutely certainly, uh, excoriate Russia for, Yes, if it was done in Kiev or right. in Hessen or something, but is a legitimate act of self-defence when done by Israel. Of course. But... Just to remind you, uh, three dates, the 2008 war, mm. um, how many Palestinians were killed? 1,440. How many Israelis? 13. 
How many Palestinian houses were destroyed? 47,000. Mm. 2012. 167 Palestinians killed, six Israelis, and over 100 houses destroyed. 2014. Over 2,100 Palestinians killed, 73 Israelis, and over 20,000 homes destroyed. This is what Israel has been doing to the people of Gaza. The proportions of deaths um, are roughly 23 Palestinians for every Israeli um, uh, killed. And the latest figures, this is prior to the latest events, that is up to, we could say, the 5th of October of this year. Um, the deaths between 2008 and 2023 were over 6,400 Palestinians killed, 380 Israelis killed. This year alone, before up to October, 250 Palestinians were killed in various armed conflicts, particularly on the West Bank, where armed um, settlers have been um, attacking um, Palestinians. This is the scenario that preceded the present situation. But on top of that, we've got to look at another process that was taking place, the so-called process of normalization, in which the Israeli government was attempting to build a, a network, you could say, of relations, of normalized, in inverted commas, relations with uh, several Arab countries, in particular with um, Saudi Arabia. But while they were doing this so-called normalization, i.e. getting Israel to be regarded as a normal uh, country by these countries, Netanyahu, who was making no concessions whatsoever to the Palestinians, no indication that the normalization meant granting the Palestinians a normal life, mm. a normal existence that everybody aspires to. On the contrary, more and more promotion of um, settlements leading to the situation which I described before, which now has 750,000 settlers in um, occupied Palestinian territory. Just to give an example also of the living conditions, many could be given. I'll just quote one. The half million settlers who live in the West Bank have access to over 30% of the groundwater. The 3.7 million Palestinians who live there have only access to less than 20%. This is, what you have is extremely unequal living conditions between the settlements and the Palestinian towns and villages. What they have been doing is utterly humiliating the Palestinian people. Mm. It's um, not just a question of denying them a homeland, but just to quote um, an, um, um, an Amnesty International report, um, how they describe the situation. And Amnesty International uh, cannot be regarded as, uh, you know, Palestinian uh, sympathizer or Hamas sympathizer or, or even um, communist or Marxist. Um, they just highlight, uh, you know, m many um, human rights abuses, let's say, around the world. This is what they say, that since the occupation first began in June 67, Israel's ruthless policies of land confiscation, illegal settlement and dispossession, coupled with rampant discrimination, have inflicted immense suffering on Palestinians, depriving them 
of their basic rights. I'm not going to quote the whole thing, but it, it basically describes a scenario of um, the crushing of a whole people, the denying of that people. Smotrich, by the way, mm. even denies the Palestinian people exist as a people. Right. He denies there's anything such as a Palestinian culture. Now, we have to look at the context also of the failure of the Oslo Accords, mm -hmm. all the attempts at a so-called peaceful solution, all the attempts at giving some kind of a semblance of um, self-government to the Palestinians, they have all utterly failed. The Palestinian Authority first lost, they, they lost control of Gaza. Uh, uh, the Hamas emerged as a political force a majority political force in Gaza due to the failures of the Palestinian Authority. But that process has continued. The Palestinian Authority is now seen by the majority of Palestinians as being corrupt and totally toothless. Let's not forget that the Palestinian Authority was not a genuine state for the Palestinians. It was a compromise in which the Israeli government sought to get the Palestinians to police themselves. The Palestinian Authority was to police the Palestinians, allowing the Israeli state to, let's say, control from a distance um, the situation. But in the opinion polls now, um, have revealed that the majority of Palestinians have said they wouldn't even care if the Palestinian Authority were to collapse. They see it as a bunch of corrupt administrators who have uh, pocketed money they all have uh, nice houses outside of Palestine. They've stashed their money away in banks. And if ever things got bad, they have a safe place to go and they could easily abandon the Palestinian people. All peaceful attempts have failed. All peaceful protests have been met with violence by the Israeli um, state. Um, people demonstrating on the streets get shot at. Young children have been killed on the streets. Mm. Um, and at present, there are, just to quote the latest figures I have, these are from May of this year, close to 5,000 political prisoners, 5,000 Palestinians being held in Israeli prisons, mm. of which over 1,000 are considered administrative detainees. That means they are being held without charge or trial. They don't even know why they've been arrested. By the way, 160 of these are child prisoners and 30 are female prisoners. Um, this, all while the criminal actions of settlers who have shot at Palestinians and killed Palestinians, go unpunished. There's no arrests, there's no trials. Um, the armed settlements continue. The most fanatical extreme right-wing elements have been taken in to um, these settlements, and we have seen a spate of attacks and killings of Palestinians. Um, and this is the background to the present situation. Just to add a couple of concrete examples of attempts in recent years of peaceful measures and peaceful acts of protest, you had the 2018-2019 uh, border protests in Gaza, the March of Return, which was put down in blood, 223 Palestinians were killed, including dozens of children. 
And then in response to Israeli airstrikes, you had a general strike on both sides of the Green Line in 2021. At that time, uh, over a thousand Palestinians were killed and tens of thousands were displaced. And in the immediate run-up to this escalation, you had some particular provocations. You mentioned Netanyahu's attitude towards Palestine. He brought a map, didn't he, to, I think it was a meeting of the UN, where he showed what the Middle East looked like Mm -hmm. in his mind, and Israel encompassed Gaza, the West Bank, the Golan Heights. That's right. Essentially, Palestine was erased. And of course, you had the provocation at the third holiest site in Islam, and you had violent extremist settlers spitting on people, attacking people, protected by the Israeli police and security forces, we should say. This happened a couple of days before the escalation in Gaza. That that, um, event around the Al-Aqsa Mosque is significant because, as you say, it's considered the third holiest site of Islam Mm. to all Muslims. And um, it was overrun by hundreds of um, uh, supremacist Zionists, um, whose stated aim is, by the way, that they would like to dis- to, to bulldoze it and um, replace it. Oh yeah, of course. Um, to have that seen by uh, Palestinians and Arabs in general is a huge affront to them. Um, doing that, and that is an open provocation, backed and supported by the Israeli state security forces. This happened just before this attack. Now, we, in this context, uh, we have to note something that we had been noted before. Amongst many of the Palestinian youth, a conclusion was being drawn that all the attempts at negotiations, peaceful accord, the Oslo Accord, the Palestinian Authority, etc., all the attempts at peaceful protests, like the going up to the Gaza fence or um, uh, the strike, etc., always been met with violence and killings. It's not difficult to understand, therefore, how many of them had started drawing the conclusion that we have to have an armed struggle to achieve Palestinian a nationhood, Palestinian independence and national mm. liberation. And you can imagine that groups like Hamas profit from that mood. Of course. Hamas has tapped into that mood and has actually, is clearly had been organizing for some time. And we should point out, Hamas also could not have gained the authority it has without the support of Israel, because Hamas historically was supported by Israel in order to undercut that's right. socialist, left-wing Palestinian resistance groups. That's right. You see, this is in line with the general policy of imperialism. When you had um, the PLO in the leadership of the Palestinian movement, um, the uh, Israelis saw the PLO as the threat, they were the terrorists, and they looked to some form of Islamic fundamentalism as a conservative um uh, how do you say, counterweight yes. to the influence of more left, let's call it that, um, leaderships. Yeah, a bulwark, if you will. They did that in Afghanistan, right? Um, uh, actually promoting what will later become the Taliban. Mm-hmm. And Israel did it with, with, with Hamas. Um, now, of course, Hamas emerged as a force um, due to the uh, process I explained earlier on. 
And in this recent situation, um, they built on this mood and organized the present attack, which is dramatic, unprecedented, um, seen as a humiliation uh, by the Israeli um, state, um, also uh, seen by the Israeli population as a failure on the part of the government, the so-called Iron Dome failed to um, to stop that attack, um, leading to the dramatic events that we have seen. Now the question is this, however, um, we fully support the cause of the Palestinian people in their right to a homeland, but will this latest attack actually achieve statehood for the Palestinians? Well, I've seen Hamas have now apparently said that they are, quote, open to a truce with Israel because they have, quote, achieved their objectives. Yes, I mean, they've um, they've achieved a dramatic attack, um, but what have they actually achieved right. on the ground? Because they haven't achieved statehood, that's for sure. Well, that's a very long way away. Um, it was inevitable that Israel would mobilize all its forces. They are, they are mobilizing... 300,000 reservists. The latest I saw, they're amassing a force of 100,000 on the border of Gaza. Um, the latest I saw is that the Israeli army today have announced that they've recovered um, 1,500 bodies of um, Hamas militants that have been killed in the fighting. And they are close to uh, regaining control of that area. Um, in the meantime, they are massively bombing uh, Gaza itself. The figures today are 770 dead. That's mainly civilians. And of course, it'll be far more than that in reality. I mean, how could they possibly know, given the conditions in well, Gaza? They're, they're, they're the latest figures. We, we, they, they will soon come out. But um, last night, I was looking at the figures, and of those dead, 140 are children. Yes. Now, that go gives you an idea of who is being bombed. The idea that, that is always presented is... Precision bombing to hit Hamas fighters, Hamas headquarters. But we have seen whole buildings uh, destroyed, whole families killed. Well, there was an incredible moment on BBC yesterday where a member of the Palestinian mission to the UK was interviewed and he said the previous night, six members of his family, including his brother-in-law, his wife, Several of their children and their in-laws had all been killed when their apartment building was brought down by an Israeli strike. And That's this, right. <laughs> this, this, this is a guy who was brought on as a spokesperson onto the BBC. Of course, the first thing that the interviewer said was, well, it's very sad, but do you condemn Hamas? Yes. That's very sensitive. The, 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 emphasis, the emphasis here is um, um, the reason why they call people to condemn Hamas is because the next step is to justify what Israel is now doing in Gaza, which is uh, systematic bombing. Yesterday they said they had a, a thousand different um, bombing bombings. But it's not just the bombing. They now have announced the total blockade of Gaza. Mm -hmm. They are going to block the entry of food, yep. cutting off water, cutting off medicines, cutting off fuel supplies. Electricity already. And cutting off electricity. These are actually considered war crimes in international, so-called international law. No, no, self-defense. I'd, like, I'd like to see Starmer coming out and raising these points and explaining the terrible suffering of the Palestinians. 
what this means is you imagine you're going to have the hospitals are overrun with injured people electricity is being cut off um some hospitals have their own generators but they only have um two three or four days of power um that means that they will soon reach a point where they the machinery won't work they won't have water imagine the san- the sanitary conditions which will be created they are um massively um uh, imposing um revenge on the whole of the uh, uh, palestinian people in uh, applying applying a logic which is not that which they say israel can you know can contribute to solving the problems in um in the middle east on a peaceful basis um now there is talk of a land invasion mm-hmm. um which uh they are preparing they keep threatening we shall see in the next day or two how things unfold but the last time they did this it led to thousands of deaths and it will also lead to huge deaths of um israeli soldiers so i think they're treading carefully on this um but this is how dramatic the situation is but it's um it's concerning uh western imperialists also because um one of the concerns is that this might not limit itself to to um to gaza there has been um uh, bombings and counter bombings on the border with lebanon um the danger that uh the um the hezbollah and uh, could uh, get involved in um uh, a war on the northern border and that this could spread uh, this is a concern which is now leading for instance to the fact that um the price of crude oil on monday mm-hmm. leapt to 89 dollars um there's been a gro- uh, uh, an increase of something like 4 or 5% that adds to the um wider problems of course in the context of the impact of the ukraine war on the supply of oil and gas and therefore energy prices and therefore inflation mm-hmm. this is worsening the situation for all peoples actually um this is the um, the scenario that we're facing um and what we're looking at is really um yet another huge offensive against the palestinian people to crush them with one section of the israeli ruling class playing with the idea of creating the conditions for a, an, an expulsion of bigger numbers some of these politicians in the past have said to the palestinians you have a homeland it's called jordan why don't you cross the river and um, and leave us the rest um but there is no solution to this scenario on a capitalist basis that's what we have to understand well i suppose the last thing that i need to ask you then fred from our position obviously we can't exactly snap our fingers and demand events unfold the way that we would like but what is the solution to the oppression and the immiseration of the Palestinian people well the first thing that israel could do would be to end the occupation stop what they're doing in the in the west bank pull out the settlers pull these people out these are provoking this conflict give the west bank back totally to the palestinians and gaza give the palestinians a genuine homeland end the oppression 
um, give them the basic right that every nation has to a, a recognized homeland, that is the answer to the, to, to, the, to the situation. Are the Israelis going to do that? Is Netanyahu going to do that? Is this government, including these far-right fanatics, going to do that? The answer to that is clearly no. They are not going to give any concessions. In fact, they're using this situation to further oppress the Palestinians, increase their suffering. They're actually, instead of bringing us closer to a solution, they're bringing us further and further away from a solution, creating a situation of endless violence, periodic clashes like the one we've seen. This is not going to be the last one. They say they're going to go in and they're going to create the conditions whereby Hamas will never be able to do this again. They might achieve their aim in the short term, but they will merely accumulate even greater resentment amongst the Palestinian people. Look at the situation. Hamas had a majority in Gaza. Now we've seen demonstrations in the West Bank with people carrying the green flag and looking to Hamas basically seen as those who did something. Yeah, they did some they, action. They took an action. They hit back at Israel. They've strengthened uh, the uh, popularity of Hamas. They've not weakened it. In the long run, therefore, they have not solved anything. It puts me in mind of what Trotsky said about Zionism when he described Israel as a bloody trap for yes. Jews rather than a safe haven. Think about it. Israel, the creation of Israel was supposed to be the creation of a safe haven, mm. you know, safety for the Jews against all the atrocities that they have suffered throughout history, in particular the terrible events in, the, in Nazi Germany with the Holocaust. That is in the memory of the Jewish people, and we obviously have to understand that. The desire to be able to live in peace, Israel is actually the opposite of that. It's a state where, which is in constant threat of war, mm. constant threat of attack, and not a safe place. Yeah. Founded and, on blood and resting on bayonets. And the latest events show that. The dramatic events on Saturday have, have, have tragically confirmed that this is the situation. Now, the question is this. So long as the Zionist Israeli regime remains in place, its ruling class will never grant the Palestinians their rights. This is a capitalist regime with a privileged layer at the top, backed by the most powerful imperialist nation in the world, the United States. Think about it. Think of the terrible suffering which is now being prepared for the Palestinians. Think of those children being killed under the bombs. What are the Americans doing? They're moving an aircraft carrier to the vicinity of Gaza, sending a message, we stand with Israel uh, against the Palestinian people. Therefore, what we have here is a, a country facing a, a situation which is a, a constant nightmare the far right in Israel, who are not insignificant politicians now on the far right, they're in this government, like yeah. the finance minister that I that I quoted. And Ben Gavir as well. They um they actually have a perspective 
of creating the conditions for a new Nakba. They want their their solution is expel all the Palestinian Palestinians, including the ones who are Israeli citizens, who by the way are second class citizens now in law. Even those living in Israel don't have full rights. If they if that wing of the Israeli ruling class were to have its way, they would destabilize the whole of the Middle East um, and create a nightmare scenario. Therefore, as, as, as Marxists, as communists, we have to have an internationalist approach. We have to look at it from a global point of view. The solution to the situation in Israel is in the international scene. It's in an all-Middle Eastern socialist revolution. That is the answer. So long as you have the regime in power in Israel, the regime in Egypt, the regime in Turkey, and the other countries, all of them who have no interest in solving the Palestinian question. Well, Egypt has apparently closed its border to Gaza, which goes to show how much solidarity there is there. Exactly. But think about it. We Let's go back to another point in history, not so long ago, 2011, the Arab Spring. Hmm. What we had was an all-Arab movement, starting in Tunisia, sparked the Egyptian revolution, movements in Jordan, then movements in both Syria and Libya, which were tragically cut across by reactionary events. But we had, for a short moment, this, this image, this, this view of an all-Arab revolution. Imagine if the Egyptian workers had come to power in 2011, which was there mm. for, the, for, the, for the taking. And if this had spread to Syria and Lebanon and Jordan, etc., Imagine workers' regimes, workers' states, the working class in power in these countries coming together on a socialist basis with a socialist federation of the Middle East, with all the immense economic resources available, a socialist um, plan, a regional plan could have been set in place for economic development which would be the solution to the problem. Within such a socialist federation, there would be room for the Jewish people to live in peace with the Arabs, not oppressing them, not um, building a powerful military apparatus to subdue the Palestinians, but the workers of all nations coming together to develop the region in the interests of the working class of all countries. That would put an end to the Zionist project, which is expel all the Palestinians and a homeland for Jews, for Palestinians and for all the peoples of this region, which would be possible. But you have to take away from this equation the privileged elites of all countries, the privileged capitalist class of all countries who rather than create the conditions for genuine peace, strive on conflicts between nations. That's the internationalist communist perspective on this situation. Well, thank you so much, Fred. We've produced an article on Marxist.com, which provides a broader analysis of the situation in Israel-Palestine. We'll have an updated statement in coming days. I'll put the link in the episode description for the article we have and we'll of course publish more coverage of 
the situation as it develops in coming days and weeks. But I just want to say from International Marxist Radio and the IMT, solidarity with the Palestinian people, intifada and to victory for a revolutionary solution to the oppression of Palestinians and for a socialist United States of the Middle East as a solution to all of the misery and violence inflicted on that region by imperialism and capitalism. Well,